Welcome to the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara. I'm here to welcome you into the world of orgasmic living by hosting experts to discuss orgasmic topics such as nutrition, spirituality, personal development, sexuality, and much more. Here, we will offer lifestyle lessons that can help you lead a fulfilling, joyous, and orgasmic lifestyle. I'm your guide, Venus O'Hara. Welcome to the 41st episode of the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara. In this Snow Moon episode, I'll be discussing the gift of sexuality, overcoming taboos, and sex and disability. I'll be interviewing Asta Philpot, a world-famous disability rights campaigner, actor, speaker, presenter and writer, pioneering and starring in documentaries and movies across the world. Then I'll be discussing the book I'm reading now, which is The Think and Grow Rich Workbook by Joel Fotinos and August Gold. And finally, we'll be experiencing a guided meditation with affirmations for celebrating the gift of sexuality. But first, let's talk about my experience with sexual shame, trauma, and pleasure. A good friend asked me to make some content about sexual shame, sexual trauma, and Catholic guilt. That's definitely something I can relate to, especially the Catholic guilt. And I think this applies to anyone who has received a conservative or religious upbringing. We are taught that sex is bad, and shame is like this backpack that's passed from one generation to another. And I think perhaps this might sound like an unpopular opinion. I think maybe the origin of this had a good intention because in the past, and maybe to some degree now still, our sexual reputation, particularly uh, that of the woman, was very much related to her financial stability, her future, her worth. And I'm, I'm going to read a little extract from the book, Sex for One, by D- Betty Dodson, who that describes this perfectly. For example, it's, she says, I began to understand how the politics of marriage had affected my sexuality. Although I said I married for love, I had really bestowed my gift of sex in exchange for economic security. Because I lived in a society that didn't give equal pay to women, I was unconsciously bargaining with sex for marriage, still the best financial deal for women. Whether I was saving sex for my prince, freely bestowing it on my lover, or granting exclusive rights in marriage, I was doing business with sex. When the female genitals have economic value instead of sexual value for women, marriage becomes a legal form of prostitution. It's no wonder that some wives feel like underpaid hookers and some husbands feel like overworked chums. Wow, that really uh, struck a chord with me when I read that because I've always believed that you should never... 100% um, rely on on your partner. You shouldn't give your power away. I think it's nice to be taken care of, have have, um, dinner invitations and those things and gifts and whatever, but it shouldn't be your only option. I think it's, I've always believed that it's important to have, to pay pay your own way because otherwise you can be in a situation where you're not in a relationship because you choose it or for love, you're there because there's no better option. And I think, um, I think in the past, because of women didn't have the same opportunities they do today, then your sexual kind of purity was the only thing you had to kind of guarantee some kind of economic um, comfort. So that's, um, I'm, I'm really glad that that's not the case. It's not the case in my life. And it's not something that I would um, recommend. I think a lot of, I know a lot of friends still who are looking for a prince to take care of them and pay for their stuff and get angry when they don't get their dinner paid for. But I don't think this is the right way to go about um, relationships. I think first and foremost, we are individuals and we should be able to pay for our own lives. And I think um, the sexual shame um, package or baggage that's passed down from one generation to the next 
is related to this type of thing as well. I think maybe maybe you can come from a good place. Your your family can tell you, hey, don't do this because we want you to be comfortable in the future. But it's it's also we kind of embody this message in a very negative way to kind of believe that sex is bad and it should only be in a marriage situation. And if you don't want to get married, what does that mean? You shouldn't have sex or you should abstain. I, th- I think that's definitely the message I received. And um, I just don't really, really agree with it. I'm just so happy that I don't um, need um, to rely on someone to pay for my bills, which is amazing. And also, I, I believe also that sex is an incredible gift. And I think the clitoris is an incredible gift. Um, so I'm, I'm really great, grateful for the gift of the clitoris, the only organ that's designed for pleasure and also for orgasm. And I think if we ignore these gifts from the divine, we're kind of being ungrateful, (laughs) you know. I think it's not just about reproduction. I think pleasure has a great um, importance in life, in in just relaxation, connecting with your body. And also, if you are into sacred sexuality, it's definitely a, a way to connect with the divine for me. But I think we should also have a good intention when we have sex. It's not about just shagging around with anyone who's available um, I think it's, um, well, unless unless you find that fulfilling, I don't think we should be judging people's um, sexuality, but I think we should really tap into what your intention is when you have sex and um, not do it for validation or because this person's going to pay for your dinner or pay for your future. It should be really a, a way that's going to celebrate your body and celebrate pleasure, the gift of sexuality, the gift that keeps on giving. And for me, I I didn't actually, I have been given this message of shame, but I never really took it on. When I was at um, high school, which was a very Catholic school, religion was my worst subject. I just couldn't get on board with some of the messages that I was receiving. I mean, for example, they completely ignored the subject of contraception, which I think is very important. And at the Protestant school down the road, they were putting condoms on cucumbers. And then in the Catholic school, this is all ignored. It's um, that the message was, when a husband loves his wife so much, he puts his penis inside her. And I used to think that, you know, if a, if a family had three kids, it meant the parents had done it three times. I just imagine that sex automatically resulted in, in pregnancy and children. And um, I don't think being naive is a good way you know in life you should have make, be able to make informed decisions about everything as much as possible and for me when i actually i already had always had a lot of um, sexual curiosity and i think that that comes from when i actually started my period quite late compared to my my peers and during that time, I was kind of feeling um, a bit of FOMO. I was like, I want my period. I want to. I want to grow up. You know, I really wanted to. So, I, so as I was um, in this stage of, you know, all my friends had started their period except for me. I was reading so much about menstruation and, and puberties, and I was just dying to grow up. And so, when it did happen, I was very, very well informed. And I also read a lot of um, women's magazines that taught me things that the nuns at my Catholic school would never tell me about sexuality. And because of this, I guess the great mystery around it made it more alluring to me. What really kind of um, changed it for me was the second time I had sex, I I wasn't really anticipating any pain because the first time I had sex, it wasn't painful, even though it was disastrous. I've already shared the story here. It was uh, literally over within five seconds. But I never experienced any of the kind of bleeding or or pain that many of my friends reported to me. And for me, so the second time I had sex, I wasn't really, my body was not tense. I was deeply in love. And I just had orgasm after orgasm after orgasm. I think it was the greatest physical and emotional and intimate pleasure I'd ever experienced in my life. It completely exceeded my expectations. And because it was so, 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 so pleasurable, I was not going to accept any message that this was a bad thing. And I think that's probably why I'm quite spiritual now. I have gone down this path of sexuality because I'm so connected to the gift of sexuality. And it's not always been, um, um, I've not always used it in the best way. Sometimes it has led me down paths that might not have been the best ones for me, but now I believe that I've learnt and I'm using my sexuality in a very positive way with a good intention. And I really want to share this gift of pleasure with other people and help women, especially 
to connect with their bodies and to appreciate this gift of pleasure and also the power of orgasm. Because I'm also giving lots of um, workshops about sex magic and I'm going to be launching a course very soon. So I, I do believe that orgasm is a very powerful process and it can help you to manifest and yeah, so I just really want to celebrate this gift of pleasure. So for me, I think the fact that it was so, so, so pleasurable, I was just not going to listen to anyone who's going to tell me that it was bad. Because if it feel, feels so good, how can it be bad, you know? Uh, and also, I think it's a beautiful way to connect with um, a partner when you are in love. And to not have that, I mean, I don't think it's the only thing, though. I think for me, the, the greatest thing in a relationship has to be um, those messages in the morning, those the small talk that daily support when, you know, you have a meeting at work and then you've got someone to tell in the evening about how your day went and it and they're involved in, in what you're doing and they can give you advice. And having that daily support and um, just little hugs here and there and kisses, that, that intimacy that's not always sexual, that for me has to be the greatest um, thing about intimacy in a relationship. It's not all about orgasms but orgasms are definitely nice and um when i find um i definitely have sexual trauma um but i don't have sexual shame and when i um i meet so many people who have sexual shame who just cannot you know get a sex toy and use it or enjoy it they just feel blocked somehow so i think um i think some of the messages we've received about sexuality are not the best ones and um i think it's a real pity to not enjoy the gift of orgasm the gift of a clitoris and the gift of intimacy. Because if you're just having sex because you think you have to in, in order to maintain your relationship, you're never really going to be, um, it's going to be a block to intimacy, I believe. And I think um, I have friends who like this who just, you know, give blowjobs because they think um, they have to because um, otherwise the guy's going to go off with someone else when they're not really into it. And I think um, desire is one of the most sexiest things ever. You know, when your partner is genuinely into you, who, who genuinely loves giving you pleasure, receiving pleasure. But if you're just doing it because you feel like you have to, then it's kind of like not a good thing. You know, it can be, it can create a lot of internal conflict and uh, can make you see sexuality as an obligation rather than this incredible, beautiful gift that it is. Anyway, I'm going to speak more about this, um, the overcoming the taboo of sexuality and um, different attitudes or negative attitudes about sexuality and, and celebrating sexuality with Asta Philpot. I really enjoyed this interview because I um, I followed, I've followed Asta Philpot for many years now. I first saw his documentary for one night only years ago and I was so it impacted me in a very very big way and I think he has a very similar mission to me that he wants to share the knowledge of this incredible gift of sexuality with more people and help to overcome the taboo so let's check out this interview now it's time for this episode's interview we'll be speaking with Asta Philpot a world-famous disability rights campaigner, actor, speaker, presenter, and writer, pioneering and starring in documentaries and movies all over the world. Okay, Asta, welcome to the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast. Thank you so much for taking part in this video today. I'm very happy to have you here. And you are a world-famous disability rights campaigner, actor, speaker, presenter, and writer, pioneering and starring in documentaries and movies across the world. For those who are unfamiliar with your content, can you tell us a, a bit more about what you do? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for uh, welcoming me onto your show. I'm, I'm, I'm honoured. Um, since the age of about 26, I've campaigned for the rights of people with disabilities to have uh, a sex life and experience the um the a sexual experience and an intimacy uh, with each other um and we started off with a documentary in 2007 that saw me and two other guys on a road trip that's how i found you it was the um the road the for one night only the bbc one documentary film and i was absolutely fascinated when i saw that so I actually reached out to you after I saw it and then we've been connected ever since. That must have been at least 10 years since I've seen that. Um, so tell us a bit more about, for those who've not seen it, um, can you tell us a bit more about it? Yeah, it was a documentary that, um, so I went to Spain with my mum and dad in 2006 
uh, on holiday. And at that point, I was really longing for an intimate experience um, with another woman. And we went into this Irish bar and the owner must have heard us talking. And um, anyway, he says, there's this great club down the road called Eclipse. I was like, all right, okay, we must go here. So off we went all in the car. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was a brothel in the middle of Spain. Um, incredible. Um, I've never felt from that point, um, I've never felt intimacy like that before in my life. Um, so for me, it was almost a coming of age and I felt a new man because I, I lost my virginity in a brothel. So after that, my um, my friend died of muscular dystrophy and he always wanted an experience, a sexual experience. And from that moment on, I made it my mission to try and help people who can't automatically have a sexual experience as easy as everyone else can. So I, I made it my mission to help those people. And that's what I've been doing ever since. That's amazing. I think it's uh, amazing that you can actually have that openness with your parents. I guess a lot of people don't have that support and understanding because sexuality is very taboo, as you know. So Yeah, I think it's just um I think it's just the whole when when it comes to disability and carers or parents, I think a lot of parents tend to wrap the the person up with dis- uh, with a disability in, in um bubble wrap or cotton wool. Mm. So it's almost like a protection zone. But I really think that it, it personally it's the wrong way to go because that person deep down wants these experiences but don't know how to express it because of that yeah because of the shame and um I, if i remember correctly on in the documentary there was a moment when you um you put some a, a post on a forum and and to actually try and help people and you got quite a negative backlash can you tell us about that yeah so as part of the documentary um uh pre-prep we had to go out and find two other guys to come with me um on this road trip and we put an advertisement out on a really popular publications forum here in England. And uh, it basically said, look what we're doing and we're making a program and we want you to come on a road trip. And yeah, it got really slammed on the forum, unfortunately, because I think they were, they were, they were kind of thinking that I was advertising for a, a CD porn film and I was kind of out to get people with disability. So it came across in the wrong way, but that's, that's the kind of tendency as well, you know, when, because if you think about sex as one and disability as another, you don't really marry the two up, do you, in, in life? So I think, I think that was the problem. And, and I think it still is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so very surprised that, that that backlash. It was very interesting to see that. And um, was it actually a disability forum, or was it a generic forum? It was a disability forum. Oh, well, so you think I would expect a more positive response then, wouldn't you? From yeah, like, yeah, it was someone's doing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it was really, it was really odd. But um, in the end, we got two guys, and they were, they were, they were great. Were you um, trying to get more than two people? I would have thought there'd be queuing up people to kind of get in there and have that opportunity. Would you? Would, were you only looking for two people, or, or was You'd it supposed surprised. to be for more? You'd be surprised, Venus. It was oh. um, uh, initially we were we wanted more, but um, uh, unfortunately we had to. It had to be two, so because there the, the really wasn't that that uptake, you know. And luckily, there's an organisation in the UK. Um, called the outsiders and they help people with disabilities and sexual experiences and stuff like that so luckily they helped us um, because it it wouldn't have happened otherwise I think I've heard of that organization what's the woman who organizes it called she called Tuppy Owens yeah I've heard of her many times actually over the years I think they did some um, they have a famous um, award ceremony does that still happen they do yeah yeah they do it's it's really she's a great person you know she's I should get her on the podcast I'm gonna write her name you should you should you should (laughs) yeah yeah she's a good person for disability you know she's done a lot of work and campaigning on sexual rights and disability and trying to break down the taboo yeah, I think I've seen another documentary that she was in. 
maybe around the same time because I just found this because actually um, what happened was I actually wrote an article about sexuality and disability. I had no idea this. I, I had this incredible reaction. It was in El Pais. Wow. It was amazing. And I ended up, I, get, I ended up getting, because um, there was um, a, camp, a organization here called Yes We Fuck, or like the kind of Yes We Can, but Yes We Fuck. And it had like a, a two wheelchair thing in the, is the logo. And they yeah. were doing a lot of stuff. I'm not sure if they're still active because this is a long time ago now. And um, a lot of people were like, wow, we didn't know this existed. It was amazing. And one of my followers wanted to meet me in person. This guy who was born with his like feet the wrong way. And he had to have 40 operations to get them straight. Wow. And um, it was incredible because we met in a cafe and he brought his sex toys to, sh- to show me. And I was like, it's really opened my mind to this whole new world and also seeing the altruistic side of sex toys. People just think they're just frivolous objects, but the actual fact they can really help people, you know, with, especially with like hands-free stimulation, etc. So it was really, really amazing. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It, it's, it, I'm, I'm at the moment, I'm ambassador of a charity here called Enhance the UK and they're about to launch a, a line of sex toys for people with disabilities. So that's, that's really exciting and I've tried them and they are just they're great you know and, and it's and mm-hmm. I think it's coming hopefully it's coming to the more to the forefront of people's minds and hearts that people with disabilities actually do have these experiences and longings yeah definitely because everyone does and it's just um breaking down those taboos because I remember yeah. I think in this other documentary I think I saw Toppy Owens in it was a there was a guy who I think he was um, quite an older virgin. And I think he said sometime when he had this experience with a woman that he didn't know that a hug would be so warm. And it was like a moment to cry. It was like, wow, it was just so beautiful to see. Yeah, I, I just think, I think people, I think people really need to kind of start opening their minds a little bit because we live in a really unconscious world, you know, and I don't want to put a doomer on it, but we do. And that's the only reason why people with disabilities are seen the way they are, you know, because people just aren't conscious. Yeah. I guess people just don't want to think about it, you know, unless they just kind of like maybe feel guilty for their own capabilities or something and then just shut Well, it yeah, it, it's mm-hmm. funny, isn't it? But, because, but, you know, I always say to people or whatever show I'm on or podcast I'm on that you know what how how are we here in the first place yeah you know we've all had everyone's had that experience so I, I'm trying to tie the link up between the the what you know the taboo and it, it's just it's strange isn't it you know I mean for me yeah absolutely I mean this is my mission too um with female orgasm specifically and I just think how can the most beautiful thing in the world be so taboo? <laughs> you know, just exactly. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I saw that your story became a film called "Come as You Are." Could you tell us about that process and what was it like to see your life events played out on screen? Yeah. So um, first, we had a movie called "Hasta la Vista," and that was mm-hmm. from a Belgian producer called Mariano Van Hoof, and he approached me after the BBC One documentary went out, saying that he'd seen the documentary and they would love to do uh, make a movie out of the out of the One Life, the BBC One Life. And uh, I said, yeah, that sounds absolutely brilliant. So to cut a very long story short, um, the movie went into production and, yeah, it was just surreal. We filmed um, in Palamos, um, uh, near Malaga area, that kind of um, Torremolinos area. No, the Palamos was my original it's, one. The that's Barcelona, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. We filmed, yeah, we filmed in Malaga for the movie, and um, yeah, it was just insane. Just you know, because I went on set in Spain and Belgium, and it, just to see this. No, it's not only a movie, but the message being. Yeah projected out into a bigger audience was incredible and then um it got made and we won a lot of awards we won the uh, european the equivalent to the european oscars the the top prize um and then it got sold to hollywood and, <laughs> um yeah hollywood remade it and that was called 
come as you are. Um, okay. Great cast, fantastic movie. But unfortunately, it didn't get the coverage that it deserved because of COVID. So okay. it, it just released at, at the time of COVID and it kind of, you know, it, but it's there and it's it's slowly doing its thing and it's it's a beautiful film. It really is. It it shows a really a great message, you know, and uh, that that I've been campaigning for all these years that people with disabilities love sex. Was it actually based on the documentary? The story kind of was it like your life? Yeah, the sequence of events was the same in yeah, both movies. It, yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there. Obviously, for fiction, there are some things change, but mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was, it was predominantly about the experience I had, which is, which was very cool. You know, I don't think a lot of people can say they've had a a movie made about their experience, but um, it, it, it's important for me to 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 just to be known for that and people with disabilities and caregivers write to us, me and mom and dad, all the time and ask for help and you know just just where to go you know and and when we just say look it's fine it's cool just be open with each other that's amazing so where can people see these documentaries you can see the documentary the bbc one life on my website uh-huh. um, and you can see come as you are the hollywood remake is on amazon Oh, uh, is it? Oh, brilliant. Yeah, I'm def- I've got a um, yeah. Prime video, so I'm going to watch that. <laughs> yeah. Or YouTube, you can catch that. Um, and okay. Hasta La Vista. I'm not sure where Hasta La Vista is at the moment. Uh, is that in English? That's um, that's subtitled Belgium, Flemish. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. But the Hollywood one is in English. Okay, great. Both fantastic films. I'll look if, I'm going to definitely check that out on Amazon Prime. Thank you. Amazing. I can't, I can't wait to see that. <laughs> it must have been a really interesting process to see like your your story become fictionalized and see how the like dialogues um, happened and yeah, and, just, and the castings was, and stuff. Part of it, yeah, it was very surreal. Mm-hmm. Um uh and and yeah, it it was it was incredible to see, you know, that I was sat there at one point and I'm like, oh my God, just from that time in the bar in Palamos, um, that it's come to... It's a life-changing experience. Yeah. It's like your mission. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm still doing that. You know, I'm, I'm still forging forging through with it. And I don't think, I'm, to be honest, Venus, I've... Never stopped talking about sex since 2006. <laughs> well, I was 2009, so... Right. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, but it's education, isn't it? You know, and I think, I think, I think as far as disability goes, uh, I think people need to be educated from a young age that disability is just part of life, you know, and I think, I think that would help um, progress the mission. Definitely, sexuality as well is like something that's just um, people want to forget that it exists. You know, they just want well, to. It's always of, seen as kind yeah. of seedy or you know, not important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. But it it really is important because it's healthy for your body, mind, and soul. Mm. Also, a lot of our life ex- um, decisions are based on sexuality, our relationships, and. You know, and it's just it's just so much more than in out in out shake all about. It's just way more complex than that. Absolutely, yeah, no, it is. It's yeah. definitely it's about that intimacy with another human being, isn't it? It's about the connection you have. You must have helped so many people. Do you receive messages a lot from other people? Yeah, I do. I get a lot of messages, and you know, it's it's heartwarming. It really mm-hmm. is that because for me. You know, I I did the program and I did the movies. So, and my mom and dad were so supportive. So I wasn't really alone. But there are people with disabilities out there that that go through this alone because they don't think they can speak to anyone because they don't think they'll take them seriously. And that's, that's really sad, you know, mm. that because we're beings to have 
put on this earth to have experiences and to 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 kind of have that shut down is is sad but yeah i hope i hope i do help people and i hope i carry on yeah i think sometimes it's difficult to approach this the topic of disability in general as well as sex i think they're two topics that can be very difficult I mean I know a guy who comes to some of my social events and he's in a wheelchair and it's like that you just you just ignore the fact that he's in a wheelchair and you don't have have the conversation of was it an accident have you always been you know that, that just those questions was, would seem very taboo and intrusive and then to go to sex would be like another level of intrusion maybe so I think people don't really know how to approach the topic you know I mean do you have any advice about what you would like or, or do, do you know what do you have any tips yeah for 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 me i'd prefer someone to come up to me and say what's your condition and how did you how, how did you how did you get it you know I, I do get some comments like mainly from younger children but that's coming from a really innocent place and they say mm-hmm. what what happened to you and you know mm-hmm. it, it in actual fact maybe people should be like that you know mm-hmm. and and as far as sex sex goes with disability then just have no preconceptions or no no thought because the, the I think the, the most dangerous thing we can have is going into the mind and too much thinking. Whereas mm-hmm. if you say to someone, hey, you know, just 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 be open with people. And I think I think that's the that's where we've got unstuck in life that, you know, we're just not open with each other anymore. We live in a society of looking at phones and looking at laptops and we just don't communicate. And that's the problem. That really is the problem. You know, so I'd say open communication is the most, is the key thing Mm. to discussing anything. And to be fair, we're in the 21st century now and A, disability should not be a taboo and B, sex should not be a taboo because... Both have been around for years and years and years and years. But unfortunately, years and years and years ago, people with disabilities were not encouraged to come out into the open. They were hidden away. So to think someone with a disability can also have sex, it's just a mind blower, isn't it, for people? You know? What blows my mind, um, just nothing to do with sex, is that all of the technology and how that can help. For example, the guy I, I met up with um, who had seen my article and had you know, the 40 operations to get his feet aligned. Um, I was thinking, oh, oh, where do you live? I'll come to you. And the guy has a car and he came to, to where I live, like on a hill. And and then, um, and obviously with, with when it, our communication, you write back straight away. And like, I'm just like thinking, wow, there's a lot of technology that really helps. Would you, can you share any? Any tips, any information about that? I use my mouth. I use my mouth for everything. So is that um, vocal, like dictation? No, what I do is um, have a mouth stick. Okay. Yeah, so I'm able to use a a mouse pad on the laptop and I'm also able to type. And some people have seen me type and they're thinking, they say to me, able-bodied people say, oh my God, you can type faster than me. I'm just like, well... That's the gift I got with the disability. <laughs> yeah, I'm just amazed at how fast you write back sometimes. It's like, whoa. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, thinking you were speaking have... the messages or something. Yeah, some people um, have said to me before, oh, do your mom or dad type for you? Like, because it's so fast. I'm like, no, it's me. Like, it's... But yeah, it's, there's, there's so much technology out there. And um, we are living in the 21st century and it's getting exciting for not only people with disabilities but for everyone and as long as we embrace it because you get a lot of people that are stuck (laughs) Mm -hmm. so um in the documentary why did you go to spain for this when you already knew about the brothel in spain why did you want to go on a trip to spain and not the uk what's the situation in the uk and why was spain a better choice okay so the england is very um closed down on a lot of fronts and um sex being one of them and anything to do with sex and brothels and escorts is very seem to be very seedy very um a no-go area if you like so 
and my, my me and my dad did the research um before we did the spanish trip and it's just not happening in england at all you know and it's it, it, it it's very dark and underworldy whereas when we went to spain and we saw this place um they work it as they told me that it was neither legal or illegal and that, gray area how, yeah that's <laughs> how they were running this place but it was massive this absolutely massive place in in the middle of like some arab desert land and you know just it just looked like something out of baghdad cafe and it was just huge and um eye opening and i i honestly believe that if they had more places like these then people wouldn't be so sexually frustrated and surely wouldn't that drive the crime rate down hmm. you know if if people weren't so sexually suppressed because mm -hmm. it, it's it's seen as a just a oh don't talk about that you know not even with disability in general definitely but, wow. um this this place was awesome yeah it was it was it was great and the people were friendly and i'm not sure it's still there anymore but um apparently they had a lot of business after the documentary <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. but it it was great it wasn't far from you are actually, where you are actually so um yeah, I don't know if they still exist over there. The, There's been a change in law. That I'm not sure how that affects these things, but um, I've had um, a couple of tantric massages. Um, I, I've done for press collaborations, um, for El, I used to write for El Pais, and I, yeah. I've written over 100 articles. That's where I wrote the disabilities, sex disabilities article. And I wrote one about um, receiving this um, tantric massage, which was like in, in exchange for the article. It was crazy. There's, it's, it's no, there's no sex. It's like there's a happy ending, but there's all tantric and like you know tickling the the masseuses naked, and it's very sensual. And I think for me at first, I said I didn't want the happy ending because I didn't feel comfortable with someone touching me in an intimate way who was getting paid for it. But then the woman who was like, why don't you want it? And I realized that these people, like there's a whole, it's very nuanced sex work. There's some people who might be exploited, but other people who really do have this gift and they're like psychologists almost, you know, they know how to yeah. read people and make people feel very comfortable. And um, this girl was like, why not? You have to enjoy the whole thing. And anyway, I, did, I still, still kind of maintained the no. But anyway, after this, writing this article, the competition called me and wanted to do the same thing like sponsored article we insist we want you to have the happy ending so I was like, okay if you insist <laughs> so I had the happy ending but I felt really I felt fine about it the girl was so nice and she wanted me to ask her questions about her job because I was writing an article and it was really 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 nice and also you know they have all these curtains that you can't see the other clients there because they their discretion is really important in these places um, I don't know what it's like. Well, obviously in a brothel might be a bit more open like a bar, but in these places, like a tantric massage, it's like you go into a waiting area, you, you don't see anyone else there. And I remember this older guy going there and it made me kind of like shift my perception. I think, why does why shouldn't he experience intimacy? Why do we label these people as perverts or whatever, you know? Um, so, so yeah, I just thought I saw it in a different light. And I think sometimes if you are single for a long time and you don't want to go on dating apps, then what's wrong with a little bit of intimacy, you know? Exactly. You know, I've had some great yeah. I've had some great fun in Spain. And um, <laughs> you know, I don't I obviously don't visit brothels anymore because I'm in a relationship now, but um we we do holiday a lot there and I'm coming over there on the fifth of February to Malaga. Um, but everywhere, you know, sexually and liberating, and I've always found it outside of the shores of England. You know, <laughs> I've, we've we filmed with National Geographic for um for a piece they were doing in uh, that was in Amsterdam, and um, it was just great. You know that they they rigged out the whole place with lighting, and the in the end all, all the escorts and the owners and everyone were dancing around us you know and we just like we just had a great big party in there and no there was no hang-ups you know and it was fun and everyone had 
open minds and but wouldn't it be incredible if that's the way it always was yeah and and you know like that you saying about the the tantric massage like why not mm -hmm. go for you know go for a happy ending it's amazing i love it <laughs> and uh, and the, the spanish press are great you know i, I was in Mallorca not so long ago at the film festival and uh they were just great they're just they're almost kind of i don't know they almost flock to me like oh he can talk about sex this is great you know i do find them quite open-minded because i mean on the press i've been in it's just they're very open to sexuality and i'm gonna film they are yeah Definitely. They're brilliant. I love it. The, the, every press experience I've had over there is amazing. Um, and, and and that that's why I, I, I went to Spain, really, because it was just liberating. Yeah, I think they embrace new things, new ideas quite easily, especially after the Franco period. Everything's just become very, they embrace yeah. new technology, new tendencies, new ideas. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. So what are you working on at the moment? Uh, at the moment, uh, I've got a podcast like you. It's called Astavision. Is it uh, new? It, it's uh, kind of. Um, it's just kind of ramped up, really, over the last year and a half. Um, I've had some great guests, and I'll have to get you on there. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, I'm on uh, a daytime um, program every week. It's a lunchtime program on Channel Four called Desk Pack Lunch. Um, oh. I'm doing that every week, and yeah, it's things are, you know, I've got an agent and helping people, and it's all going on in the background. And just, I just think the main thing though for me is to enjoy life and keep connected with who I am and enjoy the moment. So from what I've just seen from your social media, you, it's not just focused on sexuality now, it's kind of going a bit more on to, into other topics, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, especially with the, the Channel 4 program every week. Um, what is that about? We do, do talk, well, it, it's it's a lunchtime kind of magazine show, um, So, but I I talk about different topics, exactly, like whether it be political or or what's happened on the day or, you know, because I just, I've had to kind of, <laughs> I've had to diversify a bit because I just can't talk about sex on everything, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's fun. You know, it's just, again, it's about open communication. Yeah. I mean, this podcast for me is not just a sex thing. Cause I was, you know, obviously talking about sex since 2009, and I remember I had this uh, interview with Marie Claire Brazil years ago, and the journalist said, "I'm going to be late. Um, I'm, in, I'm I'm in traffic. Um, can we postpone?" I was like, "Yeah, fine." When we got on the call, um, I told her that I had no alarm since 2009. I wake up naturally every day, and she's like, "Wow!" So then I realized that I had an orgasmic lifestyle, so it wasn't just about the 750 Love toys it. that I've tested. It's more about you know eating organic, you know, working four hours a day, outsourcing, waking up naturally has got to be the best thing ever. And uh, that's what this podcast is about. So I don't, I don't just talk about sex. It's also meditation, books, nutrition, spirituality, all of those things. Yeah. I love that. Um, and it's, it, mm -hmm. it, it, they all, they all combine into one really, don't they? You know, I'm, yeah. I'm really spiritual and I meditate and I find, I find going inside to experience the inner peace. Um, a lot more less kind of noisy than out there and i've got um i've got a, a meditation teacher he's called prem rawa and he travels the world and he's just yeah he's amazing teacher and just shows you how to connect to that inner peace which is great a beautiful thing yeah, I have um, sexual affirmations on this podcast as well. Like things like I am an orgasmic woman or clitoral gratitude affirmations and things like that. I love like it. That. I love it. <laughs> so That's I'm kind of Yeah, it's kind of it's like making my own dream magazine kind of thing. Because I mean, I, I think I'm, I don't know if it happens to you, but I mean, I find that if you're just talking about sex all the time, it can kind of become desensitized and it can kill your libido. It happens to me a little bit. So I need to kind of make it more, you know, a bit more well, diluted. <laughs> like if you have anything too much, isn't it, or think about anything too much, it's it's not a treat anymore. <laughs> yeah, 
Like when I was a student, I, I, I was a waitress a lot just to get extra money, but I made sure I never was a waitress in a pizza place because I love pizza. <laughs> so, just, <laughs> so, so, but now I've got 750 toys and, um, yeah, I have to kind of uh, find a balance. 750, where do you keep them all? I've got a spare room. I'll have to send you a picture. Um, it's, it's pretty crazy. I have a spare room and uh, it took me three days to organise them all. But I've got them all classified, um, let's say G-spot or, or by company as well and by genre. So it's... Uh, Amazing. Yeah, because one day I want to have the Venus O'Hara collection loaned out to some museums or have a pop-up. Because you know, you know how technology yeah. gets old very quickly. So maybe in 10, 20 years or something like that. Because there's a bigger collection than many shops. So I love that. That's yeah. really cool. The Venus O'Hara sex toy collection. I love it. Yeah. And then with the reviews in framed next to the toy, you know, something. Yeah. That's my idea for the future. I love it. Yeah. That's a really good, that's a really good, that's a really good future plan. <laughs> Speaking of toys, do there any toys that you find useful? Uh maybe the well yeah we we got one um to try um from enhance and it was um uh like a bullet mm-hmm. that, a, a vibrator but it had like a mouthpiece on the end oh wow so so i was able to kind of you know um pleasure my partner in that way as well so, so we're thinking of like a bullet with a, a wire that you can put in your mouth. Is that the kind of thing we're talking about? Kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's 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 technology, like you say, is definitely coming coming on. And, you know, because mm. pleasure works both ways, doesn't it? Mm, absolutely. Yeah. So you're also a speaker. And I'm, I'm currently doing Toastmasters because I really want to be. Cool. You know, um, do more speaking gigs and I've started to get paid speaking gigs and travel for speaking can you give me any, any advice on public speaking or what training have you had oh do you know what Venus I haven't had any training um, wow. and and that I just yeah I, I get nervous but that's that's a normal thing but the thing to do is that well the thing I find is that if you have such a passion for something um and it comes from the heart, then I don't think you can go wrong. Um, and if you believe in what you're talking about, I don't think you can go wrong. And it's just about taking maybe five minutes before you go on and focusing and maybe meditating. And you just find it just flies then. That's how I do it. Do you have a script or, or bullet no. points? You just like go on and tell yeah. your story. Everything's unscripted and unbulleted. And I just, yeah, it just flows from the heart. And that's oh, channeling. That, that's how <laughs> I've always, yeah, I've channeled all the time, all the time. Like with my podcasts, I don't, I do, you know, this might sound bad, but I do very little research because I want the other person to tell the story. So, and it, and it starts when it starts to flow, it starts to channel, you know, and it, and it becomes organically beautiful. That's fantastic. I don't know if you're familiar with Toastmasters, but it's a kind of method and it's way too robotic. And um, I'm going to, um, the last speech I gave was totally unrehearsed and I had a much better experience because I did a speech last year that I knew quite well. I went blank twice, which is, you know, the worst fear because I've been well, I, I over rehearsed. Yeah, if you, I tend to, I tend to find that if I rehearse, I'm thinking more about the rehearsed stuff that I've done instead of letting it happen in the moment. Yeah, Yeah, it's like it just works organically better, a lot better, and that's 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 my best advice. Like, just don't overthink it. Yeah, because I'm I'm going to give take part in a speech contest this year. It's called At Least I Can Smile. I don't know if you know this, but I actually woke up with Bell's palsy in 2020. No, it was my all is most awful experience because I just woke up and it, I looked at my face and it was like totally droopy. Wow. And I mean, I just couldn't register for a while. I went to the hospital and I was just, I was just, I was distraught. It was the worst thing emotionally it's ever happened to me because I couldn't make videos and I was wearing, everyone was wearing masks, but I couldn't close my eye. And I had to do no facial way. yoga for a, a month to get my face back and then to get my smile. So I've got this whole 
deep um, kind of story, but I didn't even need, because I've told the story millions of times. So I just have to make sure it's less than seven minutes. Otherwise I get disqualified. So that's my, that's going to be my thing. <laughs> that's for mine. Because at least what? now, I'm, yeah. How did that happen? Do you know I the think cause people, of it? I don't think people really know the cause, but I did sleep on a cold surface. So I might have, because um, this nerve comes out here and it goes to the eye, the nose and the mouth. So it affected the whole thing and made it droop. Then I had to take steroids. But I just um, I think every painful experience is an awakening or a, or a lesson. And I just spent three or four weeks just crying and meditating. And um, it was a really deep experience and just being grateful now. I used to wake up and just check I can smile. So now whenever I'm a bit down, I think, oh, yes, I can smile, you know, because <laughs> to lose your smile. And, and but one thing that happened was kind of funny from this story is that I went to one of my co-workings after a couple of weeks after it happened and everyone gathered around me. I was telling the story and a guy joined the conversation a bit late. I didn't want him to be looking at me thinking, what's wrong with her? So I said, oh, I've got facial paralysis. And he said, oh, I thought you'd had Botox. <laughs> so no I just thought I would never do Botox now because why would you try and pay for that look of like not being able to move your face you know exactly exactly <laughs> it's something i wonder a lot yeah. <laughs> oh so, my yeah. god that is that's incredible isn't it so yeah, yeah i agree from every experience you know it, it is an awakening and we're, we're meant to have these experiences i think on the journey because it must be really crazy for you like going from going on holiday to Spain and this has become your life's mission in a completely organic with unplanned way. Would that be, is that safe to say, is it like that? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's not just like you, it's not just the sex side either. It's just, mm. it's getting people to open their minds more and, mm. and seeing people with disabilities as human beings. I guess there's nothing more, um, there's nothing more heart, wrenching than someone seeing you as different or I mean you know difference is good you know I like individuality and you know we're all unique but to say someone you know because I know people with disabilities who get attacked in the street and stuff and it's like why would, you know, why would anyone, anyone do that I, I just I just don't understand so to me my mission is about embracing people for who they are and whatever they look like is that that's what they were born like you know and that's it it's very simple mm -hmm. great so a couple of few quick questions for you what is the book that changed your life the book do you even some oh, books God. yeah probably actually prem rawat's book uh, so your meditation teacher or? yeah yeah, it's called, um, it's called, oh God, this is bad. It's called How to Experience Peace in a Noisy World. Oh, that's amazing. Nice yeah, title. so it's a really good book and um, it's launched in Spain as well and I highly recommend reading it. So that that's probably my go-to. Great. And which phrase or affirmation or quote or philosophy do you live by? Oh, um, just, I know it's a, I know it's, people are saying it more and more now and it's almost becoming a kind of cliche, but just live in the moment mm -hmm. because otherwise we just get ripped off everywhere if we're not in the moment and don't worry you know, because um, fear is the biggest killer. Stress is the biggest killer. So don't fear and don't worry, you know, and go through life like that. Some great advice. So where can people find you? They can, you can find me on my website, astafilpot.com. Um, and Philpot I'm with two Cs, yeah. Just, just one. Oh, there's one, okay. That's the okay. one. And I'm on Instagram, Asta Philpot. Uh -huh. um, yeah. And the just, podcast? <laughs> and the podcast is Asta Vision. Okay. That's on YouTube and everywhere else you get your podcasts. Amazing. So thank you so much for joining us today on the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast. It's definitely Amazing. been a pleasure. Oh, it's my pleasure's all mine. I've really enjoyed it. And um, 
It's nice to connect with you again. Thanks so much. The book I'm reading now is The Think and Grow Rich Workbook, adapted from Napoleon Hill's landmark classic, Think and Grow Rich. In this workbook is The Practical Steps to Transforming Your Desires into Riches by Joel Fotinos and August Gold. August Gold, what a great name, Gold, for a book like this. I've probably told told you already about my love for the book Think and Grow Rich. It definitely changed my life when I read it back in 2019. And it is the best-selling book on of success of all time, which is... Um, interesting because it was actually published in 1937 and it offers timeless information as timeless knowledge and it's something that I think it's is good to go back to every year or even every couple of years and when I discovered this workbook I thought wow because sometimes when you read a book you can just read 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 but how much do you retain and how much do you actually apply the learnings to your life I think a workbook is a great way to actually you know, do some exercises that relate to each chapter. And also what I am doing is that there are 13 steps to riches. And I'm actually going to meet a friend today who's also bought the book. And we're going to meet every week and go over each chapter at a time. We'll go over each um, the workbook exercises for each chapter so we can really help each other. And then we've got some accountability and it's going to make us um, hopefully we can bounce off each other because I always think it's a, it's a good idea to to share these things with someone else because sometimes reading can be such a solitary thing you know sometimes when I I'm when I read a book and I reach the end I can feel quite sad I feel like I'm saying goodbye to a friend or something like that and then when you have this feeling of this friend leaving you don't know you've got no one to share it with so I, I, it's kind of nice to to share this experience and I've just I'm going to start today and also when I bought this book in the introduction at the beginning I was very inspired when I actually read this which is um which is a note from the authors of this workbook. It says, This companion workbook was the one we created for ourselves to use during our 13-week program, and we knew that if it helped us, it could also make doing the work easier for others. We've since shared our workbook pages with many people over the past several years and have heard firsthand from others how having the exercises and highlights from the Think and Grow Think and Grow Rich put into a workbook form aids in the Think and Grow Rich journey. Our book is used most successfully as a companion as you read a copy of Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. However you use it, make sure you use it with an open mind. Yeah, so I'm actually going over one chapter at a time of the original book. So I've just read um, the introduction and the chapter of Desire again. And that's what I'm going to be working on this afternoon with a friend. And I've got um, an exercise book where I've um, done all of the exercises already in in pencil. Um, Because I know that this workbook, I don't like to write in books. And uh, I know it's something I'm going to come back to um, once in a while. Because I think once you start thinking bigger, then you start to attract bigger things into your life and you start to really see the possibility. So I I know every time I've read Napoleon Hill, it definitely makes me attract new um, projects and it helps me to believe in my capabilities a bit more. So that's, uh, and it's it's also very, very important to to know what you want because sometimes when you ask someone, what do you want? Not everyone can, a lot of people struggle with that because they don't really know, but unless you are clear about what you want in life, then it's going to be difficult for you to actually, you know, move towards it, take actions that are going to help you to achieve that thing. It's like, for example, I, I heard a, this analogy once when if you go down to the port of Barcelona and, and you go and speak to a captain of a ship, they all know where their next port is, is going to be, where the next destination is. But if you imagine a ship going, oh, we're just going to go into sea and see what happens, you know, you really have to know where you're going in life. And um, and have that and have a destination and also enjoy the journey, of course. So this is, um, I'm really excited about this next 13 weeks of um, of doing this workbook. And I think it's definitely going to be something that I go back to several times in my life, because I really do um, appreciate the knowledge and 
um, and gift that I have received from this book, Think and Grow Rich. And I'm not the only one because that's why it is the the best selling book of success of all time. So yeah, I highly recommend this uh, workbook and I'm looking forward to especially getting to the chapter on sex transmutation. And that's really the uh, the chapter that changed my life because I, I saw it and I was thinking, whoa, why is there a chapter about sexuality in a book about success? And it's all about how to transmute the power of your sexuality and use it in an empowering way, which is definitely something that I, I think definitely helps us to overcome sexual taboo when we understand the power of sexuality. It's not something to be ashamed of. It's something to to use in an intelligent way and uh, in an intentional way, which is also tied in with the theme of today of overcoming sexual trauma, shame, and appreciating this incredible gift of sexuality because it's very, very powerful. It's not just about pleasure. Pleasure is just the beginning. And that is the book I'm reading now, The Think and Grow Rich Workbook, adapted from Napoleon Hill's landmark classic, Think and Grow Rich, by Joel Fotinos and August Gold. Now it's time to slow things down as we prepare for this episode's guided affirmations meditation. It's probably not a good idea to listen to this while driving or operating machinery. Instead, take a break from whatever you're doing, get comfortable, take a deep breath and enjoy.
find out more about me and my orgasmic lifestyle, visit venusohara.org or follow me on Instagram at instagram.com slash venusohara. Make sure to search for the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Thanks for listening, have an orgasmic week, and make sure every day is a climax.